Hello everybody and welcome back to Nemo Info, a podcast that spawns the worlds of movies, video games and TV shows. I'm your host Nate and today I'm joined by guests Jordan, Chaz and Fergus. You know what? Let's just call them the co-hosts. I think it's the regular co-host now, the lovely people joining me today. How have you, how have you guys been this week? Hey man, yeah, I've been alright. I've uh, been off work so I've used it to catch up with a few things that I missed when it first came out. Been uh, or I got through uh, WandaVision, that was pretty interesting. Um, I don't know if we'll talk about that at some other point, but uh, that was pretty good. Um, yeah, just uh, been chilling, really. Nice. That's uh, that's that's pretty awesome, man. One uh, Vision is pretty great. I had tiny issues with it, but I think cinematography-wise, I think it's the best they've done so far, in my opinion. Jordan, how about yourself, man? I'm doing really good, man. Um, you know, just been getting on with stuff as usual. But uh, I'm happy to say that today marks the first anniversary of Valheim's launch. So uh, I'm probably going to get stuck into that later on today. How many, how many hours tonight will, will you be doing that for? <laughs> uh, probably not that long because I have work tomorrow. But I, I, I was just looking at my Steam just now and it's currently at uh, 312 hours altogether. Damn, that's, that's a good count. Have they done anything for the year anniversary of that? Um, I haven't finished reading their patch notes on Steam, but they ha- they are going to be doing stuff over this month. So, uh, yeah, keep an eye oh, out, I guess. Month. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Um, I was up uh, all night last night playing Corpse Party. <laughs> <Full thing>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's taken me a while to get around to playing it. Um, but um, for those of you who don't know, it's... Um, RPG maker, uh, Japanese horror game, and it's very good. It, there's an anime as well, which is also very good. Uh, but it's a very engaging game, and I ended up staying up until about one a.m. Probably later <laughs> last night playing it. So, damn, <laughs> is it a party to die for? I think a lot of people do. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I find that I find that's interesting. Game sometimes. I mean, like I've actually just booked Friday up for Dying Light. I'm like, you know, I, I'm I want to play the game. Obviously, uh, I'll be hanging out with uh, the lovely Jordan on Friday to watch a lovely quote. I mean, fucking terrible film. I've seen it once. I still I only remember certain parts of it. We're uh, we're we're going back in time to watch um, Jaws 3D, uh, which is a film from 1983. And it is the uh, third installment of the Jaws series. I discovered yesterday there's actually more films than I thought, and that that haunts me. But uh, apparently there's like up to five movies, and I'm pretty sure you can put the other ones in the bin. <laughs> Isn't Jaws Revenge like Jaws 4? Something like that? I think maybe I'm... Uh, uh, I, don't I mean, know. I don't want to spoil anything, but it's pretty impressive that they managed to continue the story after the third one. <laughs> I mean, you could kind of say like the Meg is like the sort of modern day equivalent of Jaws to a degree. Yeah, but it's it's got nothing of the special effects and nuances. <laughs> Honestly, you're not ready for for this fucking movie, man. I watched it at university, and uh, it, it I imagine it will be just as good as I remember it. I said, I think I watched it when I was probably six, seven years old, and my grandparents just had it on, and I just remember that one swimming shot. And I'm like, no, just Jesus Christ, why, why, no? We that actually, I think that's one franchise we'll never get a reboot on. They can never do that. They can never capture the like how Jaws was back in the day. I don't think they ever ever could. To be fair, I don't think that would stop them necessarily. There's a lot of other shark bait 
like shark based films. So we're on to what Sharknado eight, nine, ten. Now? Oh come on! <laughs> really? Come is that on. the successor to the? <laughs> but you know what I mean, though. Um, Jaws descends into a so bad it's good franchise based shark films, and then we've we've had all the short Sharknado series. I think there there is quite a um, lineage of. Uh, bad shark-based films. I think there was... Um, I can't put the name for it. There was an Australian film where the town gets flooded and the sharks come into towns and they all get trapped in a shopping centre. Oh, no, it's not that. I was, I was thinking of the crocodile one. There's one in America that came out recently called Crawl. Yeah, it's a 2019 movie. Ironically, stars are... Our lovely lady from Resident Evil, welcome to Raccoon City, Miss Claire Redfield, uh, Kaya Scodelaria. I want to pronounce that correctly. I want to try and attempt it. But yeah, she like, so basically like it's set during a hurricane and uh, her dad's ill or something and they can't get out. And then these like drugged up alligators or crocodiles come in to like attack the people in the town. It's kind of, it's supposed to be actually really good. It made like $91 million on a $30 million budget. So... Might be an idea for down the line to watch some weird monster animal movies. Yeah, they're, they're good. They're enjoyable. So yeah, I gaming-wise, yeah, just uh, going back to gaming, so like, I take a Friday after play Dying Light 2. Hopefully that's going to be interesting. But yeah, for me, it's just been a completing Horizon. I've completed uh, the deal. Well, I've almost completed the DLC. There was I had a crash just on the final boss. I'm like, okay, I'll go back and play that at some point this week. And then just preparing for all the my wallet to scream at me for the amount of games I'm going to be buying in the next three to four weeks. Like dying, like Sifu Horizon. It's just going to be madness. A gaming extravaganza. <laughs> and then all the films as well. It's just, it's just so, so much, so much. But yeah, no. So people. We've we've given the idea of what we're looking forward to in 2021, and we thought, you know, from this week onwards, we're going to start mixing up a bit forward. We're going to mix up a bit as going forwards. So the main section of the show now will include like a, a top of the discussion, uh, which will sometimes relate to games, movies, or TV shows coming out, or news that have occurred that week. So you know, just to give you a sneak peek, uh, you know, certain topics we we will be diving into are uh, where certain IPs could go and reinvent themselves, which we will be doing today. Is the comic book property burnout coming? Which, you know, with the Batman coming out and, you know, all these Marvel properties coming out this year, is that something that could happen? Do we need to figure out a way to, you know, combat that? We'll see how that goes. And also, uh, for when Elden Ring comes out, because I've heard a few people are loving looking forward to Elden Ring, it's uh, should games have an option to allow people to play the game in an easier setting? That's, uh, that's going to be an interesting topic to us. I think it should. I think there's easy ways to do it. Ironically, easy ways to do it, but... A lot of people don't see that, and I think that could happen or should happen. We will get to that. That's that's going to be happening around the Elden Ring release. So that'll be like three, four weeks away from now, I'm guessing. But yes, before we go into the main topic today, though, we thought we'd uh, we thought we'd add a little bit of a little bit of flavor of the week, something without a bit of the you know, some of that news that we've been getting. Because trust me, people, the entertainment world has been bloody exploding with news recently. It's ridiculous. Like how 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 many news articles have been popping out from the gaming industry alone, and you know it's it's been ridiculous. And governments are going, even governments are going now. What do we do? Like D the Disney acquiring Fox and Star Wars is nothing compared to how it's been recently. So yeah, we're going to be, you know, uh, getting into a lot of topics. The first one we're going to be getting into is um, PlayStation has acquired Bungie, which uh, honestly, I did not see that coming. Neither did I. No. That is a strange one, isn't it? You would expect Xbox to buy Bungie of all companies. 
Microsoft. Well, Xbox currently own Crash Bandicoot, so I think it's only fair that uh, PlayStation takes something off of them. <laughs> They've tried it. I believe Xbox also owns Spyro as well, so it's a kind of a funny uh, turn into the tables there. In yeah, a way. it's not uncommon. I mean, I, I was thinking that actually, like, because they because they own or are going to own Spyro, they could have Rare make a Spyro game because they have the license. They can have a completely different studio make a Spyro game. Like, but you know, why? I don't know. I don't know. Like, well, you know, maybe that maybe the studio that studio does want to do it, and they could you know give it to another and. Rare is quite good for that sort of stuff, so, you know, they have been making some good content. I guess I'm just cold-hearted, but I, I, my personal take on everything is that consoles are not for children, so we should just, like, de defund the children's games and up the really cool games, okay? Uh, uh what the fuck? <laughs> what? Th think about what the controller looks like for, for like, Xbox and PlayStation. Right. They're, like, Can massive. I... They're not made for children's hands. Can I just point out, do you remember the fucking controller for the Nintendo 64? What we had to deal with back in the day? Like, I think it's a lot easier for kids to play with those controllers now than what we had to. Consoles are not for kids. What the fuck, man? I never saw that one coming. I'm just saying that, uh, you know, they, they shouldn't get so many games. We should be getting more adult games. How do you get kids into games? Like, if you cut off the kids from the games, you're going to get, like, 20 years down the line and then no one's going to be in games. It'll be <laughs> FOMO. <laughs> kids will be like, uh... I want to know what, what mummy and daddy are playing on, on, the, on the TV all the time. And, uh, you know, they can just spectate the games and then be like, I want to learn how to do that one day. And then you can show them over time. But I just don't think we need so many kids games because kids games are usually shit. Oh, and... <laughs> okay. So, okay. So, do you actually mean like we don't need we don't need kids? Kids shouldn't be playing console games. It's kids shouldn't have. There's too many kids games. Yeah, we keep making too many kids games. I kind of disagree with that, to be honest. Like, there's I... there's a few good exceptions, okay, but like most of them is trash. Like and what though? Like all those games that are like catered for like you know the random toys that come with it. You know, it's just like a marketing ploy. To just get loads of shit that people don't need, like the amiibos and shit like that. To be fair, I feel like those are kind of on the way out a little bit. We're not really seeing many of those coming anymore. I don't know that's that's still a really popular franchise. Like I I still hear about adults buying fucking amiibos. You know they're very popular. Um, I mean that's been a thing since Transformers though. The cartoons. Um, if you got rid of it in games, you just still have it in TV shows and stuff. Like the are making TV shows to promote games and vice versa, like, especially mobile games, yeah. When it comes to, like, that, though, I think, outside of that, I don't think we have, like, many franchise kids' games outside of the old style. Like, I mean, we have, like, Fortnite and, you know, those sorts of games, which are more, mo which can be more mobile-centric and console, but it's its own thing now. And outside of that, I don't think we have, like, stuff like, Spyro and you know um Crash Bandicoot I mean Ratchet and Clank you know has come back as a reinvent you know it's, it's like a you know continuing on on the PlayStation 5 but I'm just thinking of games on consoles that kids can play but from what it sounded like Jordan you said like kids shouldn't have consoles at all I think certain kids shouldn't have consoles and I, I say that there's like an age demographic that's like too low like kids under like the age of like seven or eight, they don't need consoles. 
So, uh, it was recently Christmas, and a lot of my friends have kids of the age, like, three, four, five, six-ish. Uh, they all got Switches, and they all got the latest Mario Party game. Uh, <laughs> they don't know each other, and this, this th- that's what happened this Christmas. And now they can play with each other, their parents' party games. It's, you know, it's good. Okay, right. I got Yeah, I got to risk it. I got to risk my previous comment then, because Nintendo is pretty much, like, the mm. centric point for that, I guess. Yeah, I really should have maybe thought about that and you know pokemon legends arceus has just come out it is, it is arceus by the way i have heard from people that's how it is supposed to be pronounced and i'm gonna give it a go eventually but i i i've had a switch for like five years now and outside of breath of the world and super mario odyssey i'm i'm trying to find those games to really go back to it and you know i bought um skyward sword the recent i think it was skyward sword the recent um like hd remaster of uh, zelda I'm just, I'm just, I'm just looking forward to going back to that eventually. I mean, just to put it out there, like, I'm extremely controversial when it comes to Nintendo as well. Like, I almost don't consider Nintendo to be, uh, like, putting out consoles. They're putting out, like, I guess board game, like, boards. That seems to be a lot of what their thing is, is that I, I only see people... At least with people with kids, when they cut into playing things on like the the Switch, it's like let's play Mario Party, and it's essentially Monopoly on the screen, <laughs> you know. Or there are obviously some games for for the Switch that are obviously amazing, like Breath of the Wild. You know, I I I understand it's an unquestionably a good game, but I just feel like they don't really put out stuff that's for adults really anyway, compared to like big console games but i feel like i'm derailing a little bit here <laughs> yeah a little bit to be fair but uh I, like i would say that I'm, I'm not exactly like into nintendo games that much myself but almost everybody who i know who plays nintendo games are adults so i'd say that nintendo have got a pretty big um market for both games that are suitable for both children and adults there i think it's a case of like nintendo have a lot of established franchises that we grew up with so when those new games come out, like I haven't played a Pokemon game in years. You know, I bought uh, P- Pikachu. Let's go Pikachu. And I played it for a while. I actually quite enjoyed it, but I didn't. I didn't buy Sword and Shield because I'm. I like. I like my 151. I like. You know. I like, I like my old. I like my old guy. I can handle the extra hundred. You know, Pichu and everything. But I'm probably gonna give Arceus a go because I like the idea of it. Um, yeah. I ju- I, yeah. I, I just think it's like the franchises. I think it is like. These men try. It would be interesting to see where they're going because, like, they just had Metroid Dread come out recently, which I'm. I actually still need to play. Like, I never played a Metroid game before, and it has like that. I think it's like a Metroidvania style game. Well, yeah, Metroidvania <laughs> style game to it, where where you know you go through and everything. I mean, I just want to put this out there. Can you think of a single Switch game or like a Nintendo game that's come out in recent years that was an exclusive that was targeted specifically only to adults? And it only came out on that console. Because I don't think there is. I think what they have is a lot of children's games that we grew up on, like you say. And they've continued those franchises and everyone can play those. And then everything else that's kind of like an adult game that I can think of is something that's already existing on another console. There is a lot of that going on. How about Super Smash Bros? I don't think that counts. I mean, I, I, it is it is a competitive game, and like you know, it is, it is more popular with adults than it is with kids. But that's still part of their like existing older games. Monster Hunter Rise. I mean, like it's it's an you know it's an action Capcom game. 
kind of see that be more like I, I, it seems a very like heavy game to play as well sometimes so i'm guessing so i haven't seen too much on it but yeah i feel like that's very reaching <laughs> it's the, you only because they put monster hunter on every other console as well it's like fucking skyrim yeah man i i i get i get where you come from and i think that's definitely going to come into what we're going to talk about today like the whole could certain ips reinvent themselves on certain platforms i think nintendo nintendo's always going to be fine they are always going to be fine and that i love them for that you know it's just like Sony and Microsoft could be over here slapping each other, you know. Well, they say slapping each other, but they have an amicable relationship, you know. It's it's nice. It's it's the it's the players a lot of the time, some of the players anyway. Uh, but Nintendo's just like, yeah, we're just gonna sit on a corner and you know make loads of games that people still play and whatnot, which is awesome. I'm definitely looking forward to Breath of the Wild too, though. I f- I swear to God, I think we're gonna get the Switch Pro this year or the the Switch Two, because you gotta remember the Switch came out in like 2017 now, 2016, 2017. So I think we're due for the next level, and I think that I think that I, that might I don't know any you know it would be nice to happen. Yeah, cool. But yeah, people, that was the uh, so obviously you know PlayStation acquiring Bungie. The thing is though, on that topic, they have stated that it's a case of it might not just be like they're acquiring the studio. They might use the IP to possibly put the game title into movies because obviously PlayStation are creating movies based on their franchises now so we've got obviously um uncharted the first one coming out uh we've got ghost of tsushima happening which i uh, by the guy who directed john wick so that'd be pretty interesting i think they should just get the act who played jin sakai from that game like i could just get him just do it like <laughs> he might as well um Why not? yeah exactly and i think destiny like i love the fact that halo the tv show is coming out and like that'll be another topic we'll get into uh, but we could get a Destiny film. And I think, you know, I played Destiny when it first came out. I thought it was pretty cool. I did drop off because I'm not hugely into those styles of games. But if they could, like, cater and drive into more of a narrative, like, more heavy narrative-driven, maybe add single-player style, I, I quite enjoy that. And maybe, maybe maybe movie properties might be cool, or TV shows even. So it'd be pretty interesting. Um, three billion is quite a lot to put behind a Destiny, the movie franchise, really, isn't it? And that's before you've actually made the sci-fi epic movie itself. It could just be, you know, the ground for stuff like that, though, like animated shorts or, you know, short animated films, that sort of thing, like they did with um, Alter Carbon, wasn't it? They made that sort of stuff on Netflix. Yeah, Mm. yeah. I think uh, it's uh, from reading here. It's uh, Sony CFO uh, Hiroki Totoki. I suppose I pronounced the name correctly. I was asked what benefits Bungie itself saw as being itself saw in being acquired by Sony, and his answer covered uh, things about hiring and employment retention. But also, I'm going from IGN here. Uh, it, it's not just uh, for the gaming area, but the multi-using the multi-using of IP and merchandising of IP, like a game title, maybe be put into film into movies. So I think it's like I'd love to see where they go is because they could like expand Destiny to this huge huge cinematic thing you know multiplayer single player at maybe just expand it and i, I could see that happening because there is a rich franchise there I, I feel like that's definitely possible so yeah and they've got some established uh talent there also i heard someone else uh or someone else pointed out as well that um with obviously the recent acquisition of uh blizzard activision sony were kind of running out of major shooter franchises to have in their corner as well um so that's also another potential 
reason and thought behind it i think it's also like a case of i think we're gonna see sony like i've uh, jeff keely uh, put a tweet out recently about like he's heard from sources that there are going to be big games company i think this is the year of the game company purchases like you know people establishing themselves and i think konami might be next like i think i think they're the one to go next i think capcom capcom would probably go to sony to be fair but um i think um I think Konami's next, and it'd be hilarious because if Konami go to them, that means good old uh, Hideo Kojima could go back to Konami. I mean, I fucking hope so, because Konami are kind of like holding on to a few franchises, like Metal Gear. So I'm just like, I really want another fucking Metal Gear to come out, and Silent uh, Hill, and Silent Hill, obviously. So uh, yeah, they they need to make that happen, and only only Hideo Kojima can do it <laughs> uh so actually going on the microsoft deal also this week uh just uh, got uh, announced today is the uh ftc the uh, u.s federal trade commission uh is going to take the rain is going to you know take as i said going off of ign again uh they're going to take the reins on reviewing the microsoft intended acquisition of activision blizzard so i guess obviously you know it's um the government starting to see all these big companies uh doing these huge purchases now because you could because i'm just thinking about this Google could come out of nowhere. I mean, to be fair, they, you know, maybe need to review that more. Uh, but, you know, Google could come out of nowhere and buy someone because they have that much money. Because Sony don't have as much money as Microsoft. Like, Microsoft is like $1.5 trillion. You know, it, it's, a, it's, it's a lot of money. I'm hoping this Activision thing goes through. It'd be really awesome to see some of these titles come over and, like, maybe reinvented, or, you know, IPs coming back in and everything. Um, I was just going to say, I don't think they've ever successfully vetoed an acquisition like this, not to my memory. I mean, they've not managed with some of the Google acquisitions or Facebook acquisitions. They're not going to... It'll definitely go through. <laughs> Can you imagine if Microsoft bought Google? That would be dark. <laughs> <laughs> it's like handing over our lives to an even bigger corporation. Oh, it's Apple as well. It's going to be pretty interesting just to see what else comes out of the woodwork in the next few weeks and months, isn't it? I mean, you never know. Nintendo could actually like be like, oh, hello there. We're going to, you know, buy some franchises off you. You know, you know that could happen. You guys played Cyberpunk uh, 2077. Yeah. As, as you know, Jordan, I've got to three missions before the end, which still frustrates you. But actually, uh, have you heard about the whole news thing on that recently about the... I've kind of avoided anything around it because I didn't want any potential spoilers to what the content is going to be. Or I, I saw the news about the artwork, but the point I was going to make is that we're, we're kind of, if it kind of continues that trend where companies are buying companies over and over and over to the point where there's only going to be like a few companies left on earth that are like the biggest companies, it's going to reach a point where, you know, we're in this kind of crazy dystopia where it's either going to be like Google or Sony or Microsoft that owns the world. And then like they'll have gang fights in the streets of like who who has the turf of each area, kind of like in Cyberpunk with Militech and uh, Arasaka Corporation. Uh, console wars will take to the streets. Wow, a literal, literal console war. And as I said, Nindo would just be in its high tower just watching the world burn below. <laughs> But yeah, no, uh, I, f I think that's definitely going to happen. Like, as you've said, Fergus, like, that's not happened before. And if, if like, Disney could buy Fox for that amount, 
you know, and you know, I I I can't see why you know Microsoft Activision can't do it, but who knows? You know, we'll see. Guys, it'd be a nice thing. Be interested to see. So yeah, going on to the next, going into another topic, a very brief topic. Um, so this is going to be an interesting one because obviously Jordan has his uh hot takes on the uh Netflix's Cowboy Bebop TV show, mm-hmm. uh, which um where I think we're opposite and some of the opposite ends on some of those topics. I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, bit sad I'm not going to get in a second season but Netflix's live action One Piece goes into production now it's like I I don't know Like it makes me want to die <laughs> I think it's going to suffer the same fate as um, Cowboy Bebop probably for the same reasons um, I mean we've just hit chapter a thousand of one piece and people have grown up with it and then they've started to introduce their kids to it so it's like really the anime is really embedded in like people's childhoods and lives and then turning up with a even if it's high budget which i guess it would have to be because luffy's made of rubber like how much animation that would take <laughs> i think um It'll be interesting because obviously marvel is doing the fantastic four so um we're gonna see mr fantastic so it's pretty much similar powers to a degree, like, well, the elasticity sort of thing. So it'd be interesting to see how they compare. And I'm hoping that I'm ho- I'm kind of because also Netflix are doing Avatar, like, mm. you know, they're doing Avatar The Last Airbender. And the cast for that is, I think, looks great. But I fit, I my concern is like the original showrunners left. Maybe they revise the story a bit more. But I'm hoping it's a case of Netflix is thinking that they're, they're taking these shows and they're learning each time. They're, they're, they're trying to figure out to perfect the formula. Because, you know, sometimes you got to crack a few eggs to make an omelette. You know, you, you granted, it was really sad that it was those animes that got cracked in, into the cracked eggs. But, yeah, it, it, I'm hoping, like, obviously we've got a few friends who are really into One Piece. So I, I've, I've, I've seen their initial reactions. But I'm going, as I said, I'm going into it. I've not watched One Piece. My friends keep telling me to keep watching. I'm like, no. I love watching TV shows, but I'm not watching a thousand fucking episodes of a goddamn anime. No. But yeah. Yeah, I, f- I feel like, honestly, what hap- the potential for these animes is just, it. it's so much worse than what would happen to, um, you know, the Cowboy Bebop when that got cancelled, because that's only one season, right, in a movie. Whereas uh, One Piece is, is a crazy long anime, and, and I think Avatar's got at least a few seasons, right? So... I feel like they just have so much less chance of successfully getting enough into the show to make the point, you know? I mean, I think part of the problem right now is that Netflix or just, you know, uh, subscription-based places are trying to make shows of animes that are really popular and not necessarily picking the right ones to go from. It's like, yeah, you can pick something like One Piece because it's got content for days, but if you can't get it to last longer than a season, you're just throwing money away. And a lot of these companies have money to throw away, right? But I feel like there are some franchises that are unloved enough that someone who's going to watch it as a live action show could enjoy it and be like, wow, I've never heard of this. And then find out there's an anime, but, you know, are big enough and popular enough that they have a good story that would keep people coming back. And it's just finding the right one. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. And I'm I, on your on your point, though, about the whole... um avatar and one piece is so long it kind of kind of made me sad because they could have just done one more season of uh, cowboy bebop they could have just done it like you know and so many other shows have got renewed like just do one more season and then you're done you can you could literally finish it in one more season unlike other shows as you've said Chaz, that you know take are going to take much longer to complete like avatar the last airbender is 
three seasons. Like I don't even want to bother watching these these um shows that I know are never going to have an end. Like, what's the point? It just kind of leaves a sour taste in your mouth. So, I feel like there's only a certain amount of times they can kind of get away with pulling something like that. Yeah, I, th- I think I think that's the point. I think that's what's my concern. Like, so One Piece is going into production now. The last episode, I believe, has been in production for a little while already. And I, aren't they aren't they continuing to do Death Note? Like they actually said they're continuing to do Death Note. I fucking hope not. <laughs> I mean, like that. That's what continues. Was like Death Note was Death Note had critical you know, issues that was reviewed on it. Cowboy Bebop had the same issue. Uh, I'm thinking, you know, it, it was weird because, like, they were still promoting that show online until they cancelled it on the day. It's like, if you're going to cancel it, just let John Cho cut his hair. I think Death Note is generally regarded as a franchise as completely unkillable. Um, so they can just keep at it. Like, there have been so many really bad live-action films of it, and it's still it's still going. <laughs> I mean, I slightly disagree on the bad live-action movies. They're not good, but they're definitely entertaining. <laughs> Especially at the end of the first one, where they just fucking wheel out Red Hot Chili Peppers to start playing it over the credits. What was that? What was that one again? Uh, Death Note. Oh, okay, I I haven't watched it because it just didn't interest me. I mean, live action. This is the Japanese though. one specifically. So live action adaptations, I think, can work because we've had you know Sonic Detective Pikachu. I love Detective Pikachu quite a bit. The fact that you had you know I presume spoilers are fine now because people don't really care here about that. So I've actually seen Detective Pikachu. <laughs> maybe maybe to... maybe I might Neither hold off. I. <laughs> uh, it's actually I mean I assume it's actually quite good. It's like, not how they bad. It. It's not bad. I. I think it was slightly lower than what I expected from it, but yeah, not bad. And obviously, we're getting uncharted. And as you said, people, we're going to be um, we're going to be having a topic later on down the line of uh, dream adaptations from games. So you know, if if we're going to take games, do you want to make it into a film or a TV show? So we'll that's another topic coming up later down the line. So it'd be pretty awesome. Uh, our final news piece is um, is definitely uh, causing a stir on the internet at the moment. It's Halo. It's Halo, people. How I mean, I I'm actually on the positive side of this to be honest because I think they they got the fire extinguishers ready because they said this isn't the golden timeline, this is its own thing. We're adapting; it's an adaptation. We're taking it. We're creating our own thing. We're still trying to be. We're keeping the parts of the law. We're just adapting it. But yeah, what do you, what do you guys think? I've seen the trailer. Um, as I said before, I'm a big Halo fanboy. Um, I quite like the idea of going back to some of the the roots of the the series looking at you know the early covenant um war the early discovery of the halo rings um you know we haven't really explored that in a while from the games so um that's interesting to me aesthetically as well i think for the most part it looks pretty good um you know the armor for the spartans the marines and the covenants and all their vehicles looks pretty spot on so um I'm I'm pretty excited. I'm cautiously excited, I suppose. The only thing I suppose that looks a bit weird is the I, I'm not sure if if she's a, a villain, the 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 human that seems to be working with the Covenant. I'm not sure what she is. That's a bit weird, but uh, yeah, okay. I'm cautiously optimistic so far. Are they going to bring uh, Breaking Benjamin to do all the music? I mean, I hope so. <laughs> my my hope is like because I, I loved the um the finish the fight live action short that came out like around halo 3 i thought that was brilliant back in the day and i think i definitely agree with you chaz in the sense of the human covenant like that's going to be interesting because like they've you could definitely see where they've changed the narrative like from the series that master chief is being controlled remotely 
at the beginning. Is that actually confirmed? So, well, in the trailer, it states, you know, you know, activate, they turn him around, and you see, like, in the camera, his head comes up, and, like, I, I believe they say something like the line, oh, yeah, they're controlled. I believe they say they're controlled, you know, you know, manipulated, and it feels like, and also, Master Chief touches, like, a forerunner artifact, and he discover he's finding out about the halo and also they have like a hero's line in there find the halo fi- save fi- find the halo save the save the world or something with the control thing i'm not sure if this is the right interpretation but i think it's more about their um the training and the kind of conditioning they that the spartans were grew up with i think that's what that line was but maybe i'm completely wrong no that that that, that could exactly be it you know i think it was just for the truth i if people, I know, I know another critique actually you were talking about is the uh, the human uh, covenant hybrid is uh, Cortana. I don't mind Cortana. I mean, we've seen what two seconds of her, but again, like you said, it's a different uh, timeline. They're doing things differently. I I don't mind the look. It looks fine. It does right. So we do have to talk voice actors here, um, especially when it comes to Cortana. Cortana is uh, Jen Taylor in the game and the TV show. But as far as I'm aware, none of the other game voice actors are in the TV show, uh, especially Steve Downs, the voice actor of Master Chief himself. And since we never actually see the face of Master Chief, I do find it a bit strange they wouldn't use the already contracted and voice actor. It's a bit strange, especially if things have kept consistency with Cortana. Uh, I think that I, was my only gripe. For it. <laughs> I think I think it's because we are going to see Master Chief's face. I think it is going to happen. I, I think was, like I that mean, was such a huge thing in the games, though, just well, never seeing his face. Like no, well, yes and no, because you do see part of his face in, you know, some of the legendary editions. You do see his eyes and everything. You do see like you know, at the end of Halo One, if you um you know mod it, you could see him take a helmet off and there's another helmet underneath. So you do kind of see what's underneath the helmet to a degree. But um, I think it's interesting, like, uh, you know, it's just when it comes to I, I'm fine with it. Like, I actually like the actor who's playing him, uh, uh, P- Pablo Schreiber. So obviously, uh, Porn Stash Chaz uh, from, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Chaz just like, oh, that, yeah, <laughs> God's sake. Uh, uh, to be fair, though, Steve Downs, I was just listening to an interview today. He said, like, you know, Steve Downs is older now. And, you know, Master Chief is supposed to be like really tall, zero body fat, you know, and we see him, you know, without his armor on, and now they could dub him over, but yeah. I was going to say that they could do the same sort of situation of how they made Darth Vader. The, um, the voice was not the same as the body. I mean, with the Mandalorian, there's three actors. Well, there's one actor and two stunt doubles who play him, and there are t- times when Pe- uh, Pedro Pascal isn't even there, and he's just doing the voiceover later. Which is understandable, but I think I think like you see in the trailer him out of his armor, and you see the back of his head and everything, and you you see that, and I think we are gonna see that, so it'd be very interesting. Um, how do we feel about like he seems he seems he's gonna have this relationship with this human like colonist character, um, who I believe her name is a uh, Quanar, I believe her name is, and they're gonna have this like you know relationship going through it, so like. Maybe she's like the human element to bringing him back. It's an interesting take. I don't of the games I've played for Halo, I don't remember seeing any kind of relationship with that. You know, Master Chief doesn't really interact with colonists or civilians at all, really. So, be good uh, a different angle to explore that character with. I think uh, definitely play Halo Infinite more. That's all I'll say. They do they do start to try to do that, and it'll be interesting. But 
I mean, we have seen live action Master Chief before, like in those in the Forward Unto Dawn, I believe it was. It was, oh no, it was um, it was a Forward Unto Dawn. It was another live action one they did where it was at the Academy and the Covenant attack. Uh, so yeah, we had that. But yeah, no, um, it comes out really soon, March twenty fourth. So it's not long. I don't know how we're gonna watch it in the UK because it's on Paramount Plus. So you know, I'm hoping with Halo coming out, they're good. You know how Disney Plus had the the mandalorian as one of their big initial shows sort of thing i'm hoping this is for paramount plus internationally so hopefully we'll see that but yeah that's the end of the news segment people right we are going to be getting into the main topic now which is cause where could certain game ips go to reinvent themselves the idea here's people is you know stuff like resident evil where it was originally a tank movement game that turned into resident evil 4 you know over the shoulder combat or fallout started off as this you know old school strategy game that turned into like obviously the first person shooter that came to be with all these acquisitions going on how could certain industry you know acquisitions and these companies take ips and do their own take on them or or is there an ip that hasn't been out for so many years now or you feel it could come back they just feel it just needs a refresh or something you'd love to see. So, yeah, I think uh, I think we're going to start with Chaz today. Uh, do you want to start us off, dude? Sure thing, man. Uh, so I thought about this and there's a few franchises that fit the category, I think. But um, the thing I decided to go for in the end was um, the Fable franchise, actually. Um, it's quite close to my heart, but um, recently, uh, you know, as you said, it's not really been particularly active um, and, you know, the last few releases in the franchise kind of lost their way. Obviously, you had Fable Heroes, um, Fable Lost Journey, and Fable Legends, the last of which was uh, cancelled before it even came out. Um, but all of those titles, they veered massively away from the core of the gameplay. And uh, obviously, as well, we have Playground Games making a new one, but we don't really know a lot about what they're doing with that. So I had to think about you know, what I would like to see from that release, I suppose, and from the franchise in general. So I think... The biggest thing for for that is to slightly kind of backpedal and go back towards the roots of what made it good in the first place, but kind of expand it, bring it up to um, current gen, you know, capabilities and uh, expectations. Um, you know, obviously everyone knows Fable for the storytelling, the humor, the atmosphere, the level of customization you can get. I think in particular you can expand on that massively. Um, I also thought in terms of actually changing up what how do you do things. Uh, you had the alignment system in Fable quite famously, but it was very uh, black and white. I thought, you know, nowadays alignment systems tend to be a little more complex and a little bit more ambiguous. I thought that could be quite cool to see in, in Fable, as well as, uh, you know, expanding uh, the playable area in the game. I had heard some people talk about making it open world, but I'm not necessarily sure that's a good choice for Fable. Uh, I would like to see a bigger world, you know, with what we can do with current gen, but not necessarily open world and you know, paint the map type things. Um, and also um, the magic system as well. It was very complex or relatively complex for Fable in uh, in the first game. And then they kind of toned it down a lot more. Just each each new game, they toned it down. And I always, always uh, was annoyed by that. So they should bring it back and, and expand it a bit more. So yeah, I, I could talk a lot about Fable, but I don't want to completely dominate the conversation. Yeah, no, I totally get it from. Could, could you say like, you know, you're saying like, you know, you don't want to open world, but it's, it's okay to have an expanded area. Could the recent Final Fantasy VII remake be a good, uh, be a good way to approach like, you know, there's, it's not open world, but it has areas to, to itself. Like in, you know, you can explore these areas and then 
I think there might be a way to go about it. I guess like what I would like to see is the original Fable and uh, the original games are relatively small, but I think with current you know standards and and uh, budgets and stuff, you could expand those areas, but still make it, um, you know, a linear kind of path um, that you progress down, and then put quests in where you know you can go back and explore those areas again, find new bits of story, um, and just you know basically improve on what they already did with the previous generations of hardware. No, uh, that's that's awesome. I mean, like obviously with um, Fable coming on Playground Games and how Forza has looked amazing. I think no doubt we're going to get a gorgeous looking game. And I think like, you know, I've got its current standards. It's going to be interesting, but I am definitely, yeah. Cause I'm, I remember, you know, playing fair. I think it was fable one and two. I played back in the day. Um, I don't think I played any of the other fable games after that. That's fine. Um, you, you missed the bad ones. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I'm just, I'm just thinking like how you described it. And honestly, like games like, you know, last of us, um, uncharted, um, final fantasy comes on Cause they have like these, these areas you can explore but they're not open world like you know they are they are contained i think um even even god of war to some extent like you can you can go to different areas in that obviously there's like a small transition animation between those areas like you have a hub the central hub and then you go off to these areas and i think that'd be interesting but yeah no that seems seems pretty cool so one thing you just reminded me um thoughts are correct me if i'm wrong that was set in basically the english countryside right Forza yeah. Four, yeah yeah i just i thought yeah that looked really good that gameplay and how awesome would that be if they you know obviously in the fable style could do obviously fables kind of based loosely inspired by uh, english countryside anyway how amazing would that look with modern gen graphics oh you just uh you got me excited for that idea i mean like outside of um you know forza four horizon four and Watch Dogs Legion, which has like, its alternate, you know, future of London. We haven't really, I can't think of that many games, you know, in the last 10, 20 years where it's been set in England or, or the UK. It's not really been like, that's what I'm saying, you know, you can't really like, the only other game I can think of back in the day is The Getaway or, or GTA London. I was going to say GTA, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I can't think of that many games um, set in the UK. I'd like to see more, though. I mean, yeah, you think about, like, you know, we have such a rich aesthetic history and everything. You know, uh, if it involves British things, it's usually moved to other countries or something. But, I mean, we've had James Bond games that are just set in other countries, but we never really had them any set in the UK. And, yeah, I definitely think, like, games have taken inspiration from, you know, our, what, you know, our you know, structures here and everything, our style. But, yeah, it would be really nice to see Fable. And obviously the comedic aspect would be pretty interesting. Because um, wasn't Stephen Fry involved in the Fable games at one point? Yeah, he was in, um, I believe it was Fable 3. Um, I think they got a few other actors as well, uh, English actors in. I can't remember, but definitely Stephen Fry was. Yeah, so Noda will definitely have that, like, going into that. I, I think, like, Simon Pegg would be a pretty, pretty, pretty fun one to add in there. That would be cool. The only thing is, though, um, is if they could capture that original humor, because I think a lot of that humor came from just the Lionhead devs, of course. Um, and, you know, they're all kind of scattered about the industry now. So it'd be interesting to see what, if Playground Games can uh, replicate that that humor and that tone, really. I think uh, going into, like, to go from, like, their like their only games have been, from looking here, is uh, is driving games. To go to Fable, I feel they got to have some, like... It's some a hope. big leap. It's a big yeah. leap. I'm hoping it's 
I, I'm trying to be hopeful because I love Fable, um, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it kind of kind of reminds me of like you know a game I love to keep mentioning is uh, Gorilla going from Killzone to Horizon. Like Killzone was very shooter heavy, and then it was very like brown and you know muddy and everything, and then they go to Horizon, which is like the complete opposite, and you know a huge open world narrative maybe maybe something like that and i think maybe they maybe they have tried to like pursue x linehead devs who, you know to try and try and bring that in and everything which would be pretty interesting it would be interesting i kind of hope they've done that i haven't heard anything but then i haven't heard almost anything about um playgrounds fable at all so it's all very much up in the air at the moment i think we'll definitely get something e3 or whatever e3 might be this year or um like games come or something i think well, hopefully we might get something which would be pretty interesting to see it'd be, it'd be really nice to see to be honest and i think it will shock people to be honest yeah it's been a while since we've had any kind of update so anything new would be great it has been quite a while since i've played a fable game to be honest um probably talking end of the era of the original xbox uh they were very good instead the alignment system it's evolved into other games quite a lot since, though. Uh, like Red Dead 2's got quite a advanced alignment system, for example. Yeah, I think you could do a lot with the Fable franchise, for sure. I'm just looking at the timeline, and I didn't realise Fable was 2004. Original Xbox. Jesus Christ. Like, yeah. It just makes you think, like, Jesus, <laughs> almost 20 years ago. <laughs> Uh wow. But yeah, awesome, Chaz. Uh, do, you, do you have anything further you want to say on that at all? Or? Just that, yeah, like Fergus says, alignment systems have kind of come a long way since Fable was doing them. So that was the biggest thing that stood out to me is somewhere you could do some interesting things with um, and, you know, expand on the original um, building blocks that Fable did, you know, back in, what do you say, 2004? So, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, yeah, it was like Fable 2004, Fable 2 2008. Three was ten. Uh, Fable: The Journey was twenty twelve. Anniversary was fourteen. Fortune was seventeen. And then, yeah. So it's it's going to be a good few years between the like even the last game and this one. So it's going to be interesting. So yeah. And uh, supposedly the new game will run on the in-house engine Forza Tech. Oh, so that could be very pretty then. Yeah, exactly. And but it'll be interesting to adapt that engine to to a open world. Maybe we'll get like a Forza game of like driving elements. I was going to say, will the next Fable game have lots of kart racing mini games? <laughs> I hope not. We'll see. <laughs> oh, well, we will see how it goes. But uh, no, thanks, Chaz. That was actually a pretty good one. Uh, Fable is uh, definitely an interesting game, and I'm hoping that I'm hoping it does keep the the comedic aspect of without the charm back in the day. It has to, otherwise, it's not Fable. I mean, that trailer they did show that teaser trailer did have like kind of f- fucked up comedic elements to it. <laughs> but... It was definitely a Fable trailer, so. We've got that at least. Yeah, exactly, exactly. How about how about yourself, Fergus? Uh, franchise. I think I've gone in a very different direction with this, to be honest. <laughs> um, so, Elder Scrolls City Builder game uh, is very different to anything they're doing currently, as far as I'm aware. But I've been trying to find like a good historical fantasy city building game. I honestly can't find one. Uh, or at least I might be bad at searching, but um, I think it would be quite good. Like if you could um, say invite various guilds to your city and then get the like magic college and then get villagers involved in learning magic, sending out heroes to do quests and defend you from dragons or uh, oblivion occultists or what have you. I think that a lot could be done with that, and it's not been looked at at all, as far as I'm aware. I mean, yeah, I'm thinking about it, like, the, the, would you, like, 
would you would it be a case of like you choose a specific faction to go with or would you create your own faction and then take inspiration from maybe like other like kingdoms within the elder scrolls like lore um that's a good point i suppose I guess it would just depend on where... I suppose you'd have like a mission system where you would build a city in a specific area and that would be that faction's area. Because uh, the, um, the Elder Scrolls world, the factions are quite location-specific. I mean, people travel, of course, but um, you don't get a Khajiit city in Skyrim for example. I quite like the idea of being able to choose where you want to build your city and, you know, depending on what region you're in, so Skyrim or, um, you know, Tamriel or, or Morrowind, that dictates the, the type of citizens you have, the type of buildings you have available, the type of guilds, uh, all of that stuff. I, I actually really like that idea. It's, it's uh, definitely got some potential. It's cool. Yeah, no, awesome. I mean, like, when it comes to that, like, you know, actually going off of that, Chaz, you know, you could have each expansion could be a different, you know, area of the of that and everything, you know, uh, all the previous Elder Scrolls games and mm. adapting it. Well, they have been doing that with the Elder Scrolls Online. They seem to be producing them at quite a rate at the moment. Um, to uh, small faction specific ish um, locations. So they are already working on what could be at least the groundwork for that. Maybe if they listen to this podcast they might do it <laughs> well come, come and listen to us come and listen to us first then we'll uh we'll help you out we'll, we'll help you out no um i think it's uh interesting to be honest like i never you have complete that could that yeah definitely i did not expect an elder scroll city builder type game like are, are you thinking like sim city style or like like civilization or i guess i was thinking more sim city but a bit more in depth i guess so i'm playing a game at the moment where you manage a, a tavern um in a sort of like a medieval village it's pretty good it doesn't have enough depth to it to be honest but it's that kind of vibe like if you did that with an entire city you'd have more than enough depth to make that a very playable game um so you could do trade relations with other factions and sort of so i guess you basically role play as the jarl i guess wouldn't you um jarl fergus yeah i guess so <laughs> yeah Y'all balling. <laughs> i just realized as well because SimCity had disasters right uh in this you know, game, let's say you're playing in Skyrim, you could have dragon attacks as disasters or like giants come in and bashing down your city gates. It's actually, yeah, got a lot of potential, I think. Yeah, Mammoth Attack, Oblivion Gates. Oblivion uh, Gates, yeah, of course. You... <laughs> uh, if you have a tiny little man shouting Fusudar as you uh, as you just go through the game and everything, would be absolutely hilarious. Yeah, that, 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 that is pretty awesome, to be honest, man. Like, I'm just, you know, thinking about it more like how could it be a case of like you know with the cities themselves you know you can you could go in like it's more because i know with sim city you sort of build it at a, at a grand area like could you go into it more and like look at the mechanics of how each building works and like try to build out from there because i know certain settlements have like certain things like i don't know uh potentially like you mean like actually get to manage the village tavern sort of thing um it depends on the size of your settlement but uh, potentially you don't want to get too absorbed in a small part of it and then inadvertently ignore you know the the blades who are being attacked by a dragon because you're pulling pines <laughs> so you'd have to balance that i think could it be a case of like you know you have the established cities in the outer scrolls world and you are like a yarl who's been sent off to create his own so like you don't have to follow like mm. you know the the structure of 
so you you join a faction, you join as like I don't know the Yarl Junior or like the Yarl's assistant or whatever, and you're, you're expanding, but you want to create a new like settlement or something. You, you build up from there. Uh, potentially, yeah, build around like mines or fishing ports or what have you. Um, yeah, I what you'd want to start it from the ground up, really, wouldn't you? Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, you could have training cities, which are smallish villages that you turn into cities or what have you. Yeah, no, honestly, man, like it's really, it's really nice to see like Chaz has gone like Fable and you've just gone like completely the different direction. Like it's a, uh, it, it's interesting when this stuff happens to me. I think you, you don't expect these sorts of things. I just want to say, um, Fergus, earlier you mentioned about not there not being that many historical city builders out there at the moment and i have to agree with you the the closest thing i could think of is something called um nebuchadnezzar which is kind of a spiritual sequel to the pharaoh um games that's that's got some mixed reviews yeah that's had some mixed reviews i've I've been keeping an eye on it, but I'm ignoring it at the moment. Um, apart from that, the only the closest thing I can think of is maybe the Anno franchise, but that's been a couple of years since that's had a uh, an entry. So I definitely think there's a bit of a a hole in the market there for something like a new take on the genre, basically. Yeah, definitely. I totally missed Anno actually. I haven't played it at all. Awesome. Uh, do you have any further points, Fergus? Uh, I don't think so. So I came up with this off the top of my head because mainly it's something i've been looking to play myself um yeah these things yeah if you start making these things they you know evolve naturally so <laughs> it's definitely something i want to see i'm quite a fan of simulation games so if you guys hear about one of those you know some kind of historical city builder coming out do let me know nice mm. excellent well thank you very much fergus obviously we're about to go into mine people but uh just a quick uh input if uh, anyone else has any um Games they like to possibly reinvent themselves with certain IPs, uh, just email in at nmipodcast.outlook.com. We'd uh, definitely like to see what you people uh, think, and we might read them out uh, next week or the following weeks to see what you think. But yeah, so mine is like going completely different, obviously. So, okay, t- take a guess. What what have I, what what, what could I have done? Let's, let's have a guess. Probably something Mass Effect related. No. Oh, I'm not, okay. No, I've not done that. So I thought of... Um... As one of the things I would talk about, I don't know enough about the franchise. Assassin's Creed, maybe, because that's been very samey for a while. Okay, as well. right. okay, so you actually get quite warmer there, chat. So the Assassin's Creed idea is there, but it's not Assassin's Creed. No. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy franchise. No, because they actually did quite well with that last game, to be honest. I highly recommend, by the way, I really <laughs> highly recommend playing the last Guardians of the Galaxy game that just came out recently from Eidos Montreal. It is really good, to be honest. I, and. They go quite deep into the Guardian's law without actually having to, you know, it doesn't force it on you. And it's actually a lot deeper than I realised. So, and uh, yeah. It's not Far Cry, is it? No, it's not Far Cry. Uh, and it's not even inspired on my list. I was trying to think of a game that had a big map with loads of stuff to tick off. Cause you so said, you are, you are right. Close. You are right. It is a big map. But I did, I did hint earlier that it's basically, we were talking about acquisitions. And IPs that could be acquired. And that comes under that. Chaz is just like, oh, okay, you got me going now. Like, what could it be? So I did mention the company that I think would be acquired first. And who was that company? Konami. Exactly. And who owns Konami? And who? Uh, and Konami is what's what, some of the franchises in Konami? Um, oh. I'm going to make sure this is. I'm going to make sure it's Konami now because I'm going to. There's lots. <laughs> uh, I'm just definitely going to be uh, confirm this is Konami now. Yeah, I'm. I'm like so glad. You got Silent Hill, you got fucking um, Metal Gear, but then you've also got that weird 
football game that that guy tried to send like a death threat to the company for like <laughs> i remember hearing about that it's like bizarre news story for games I, li- I like how fergus is like trying to try to google this now like uh hastily googling right, so you said metal gear <laughs> uh what was the other one silent hill hmm. but no one's ever said this other franchise which has actually been really big in the last couple of years in, uh, in other media and i've mentioned it multiple times before that you should watch it oh you're talking about castlevania yes right? i am i am talking about yeah. castlevania because that game I, that franchise i i play i watched the tv show i've played the lord of shadows games actually when i um you know back in the day I've, i really enjoyed them and i just fell in love with the netflix show and i thought they could have capitalized on that i feel that when that netflix show came out they could have like okay we're gonna get a good game out let's 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 get going on this but yeah my uh my game is uh castlevania and it would be an open world game uh it would be inspired by a ton of different things uh so i i've actually done like i'm gonna put my tablet up now people we've actually done like an entire like like idea i've done like a setting and inspired by you know certain mechanics you could do in it and so like the idea would be you know in, in the castlevania franchise it's about like the belmonts versus dracula you know that's pretty much the entire premise of these narratives and the idea would be um you know you play as a belmont uh in france in the um in 1918 just after world war Two, or world war one sorry uh, and Dracula has been uh, broken out in Transylvania, and he has uh, come to France where the Belmonts are, and he's just wiped out the family. And you get car- you get scurried away to London uh, in 1918, and when you get when you're a little baby, you get to decide if you're a male or a female. So I think that'd be pretty interesting to do. Like you know, you actually get to character select at that point. Uh, it'd be set in, like 1936, post-apocalypse alternate London. So like you know, the demonic horde has held off. You know, London has held off the demonic horde for like almost 20 years now. And they've got this uneasy truce with Dracula, like, don't come into Europe, this is mine now. And it, yeah, it's just, um, the, the Empire isn't good. Like, there are obviously, you know, it's, there's like heavy, seeded, dark roots within London. And this is what I was actually going to earlier about how, like, you don't have many games set in England. Actually, actually no, I just realised Assassin's Creed um, Syndicate. It's set, even, in, it's set in London. Creed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, I totally forgot about that. But, you know, it's just, um, and it, have like, it would have like a, um, like I was thinking like Bioshock, you know, v- visuals, like, you know, how Bioshock looked. I thought it'd be like quite good to look like that. Um, but I was inspired by like um, the Lord of the Rings Shadow, Shadow Mordor series, how like you could have like the Nemesis system. So you actually go up against like creatures but they actually, because in, in the show, creatures can talk at some points. And I feel like you have these enemies you should build up with. And you have like um, a God of War style mechanic system, multiple weapons. And you have like the whip, which is famous in the games, and a sword and a gun. You know, like, have you seen the Van Helsing movie? Did you remember? Which, remember? Yes. Yeah, so which one? The, the Hugh Jackman one. Yes. Yeah, so that crossbow, I loved that multi-fire crossbow in that movie. I thought it was, I thought it was amazing. So just weapons like that, I thought it would be... um. I thought it would be pretty interesting, to be honest. And it's it's going off the whole Dying Light Two thing. I'm you know Dying Light Two coming out. I've, I was thinking like the night the night and day cycle. How like in the day it's more human based, and how you know you're dealing with that issue. But when it's nighttime, the creatures come out, and I think that'd be pretty interesting. Like all all that's going on. Basically, I'm just taking a whole bunch of different games. I thought let's just add the Castlevania IP to it. But you know, it's just um. 
as you progress through the game, you know, evil sweeps across London. It's like it's, it's like a struggle of like the last Belmont, as is in like you know these game in these narrative franchise, the last Belmont versus the hordes of Dracula, and when you take Dracula down, the hordes it's sort of like the hive mind sort of thing. We take Dracula down, and all the demons disappear, sort of thing. So I thought it'd be pretty interesting, and yeah, that that is a uh, that is my that's my IP idea. Cool. That sounds good. Um, so, wait, forgive me. Hack and slash management mm, shooter. So, yeah, because obviously, you know, you can, I think like for close combat, you can have like a, you know, melee weapon to fight with. And, you know, for a long distance, you'd have a ranged weapon. And I think it'd be pretty cool to have. And also the whip is sort of like the mid range weapon, but you can use it for traversal. So like when you're going across rooftops, like Indiana Jones style, you like whipping across like scaffolding and, you know, going between going between roofs of London and traversing that way, and I thought it'd be pretty awesome to have like a whip, a whip which is iconic to the franchise, but also um, uses both a weapon and a traversal item. So I thought it'd be pretty interesting, to be honest. I thought you know uh, how that's approached, and another another one is like um, I love the Days Gone game, which was like had freakers or zombies as John just calls them, even though I you know specific in that regard. Um, the horde system in that I thought was brilliant. How like you could face up to, like six hundred enemies at once, which I thought was mm-hmm. daunting. And I was just thinking like, what if you had like you know, as as the game progressed further and further and became more you know corrupt and fucked up, you had like this demons building up and everything, and you had to upgrade your systems and inspire people and like the idea, and then you actually went up against these massive you know, hordes and everything near, you know, big, big segments, essentially. We're talking uh, the Berserk game, kind of, um, in terms of the sort of hordes of enemies you would... Um, I've never played that, to be honest. You know, hack and slash. I've only played it a bit. Uh, Berserk and the Band of the Hawk. Um, it's quite, it's similar, mechanically speaking, to, um, oh, God, what's it? Uh hack and slash with um the chinese lords oh dynasty um, warriors yeah that's the one the dynasty warrior series but yeah going through the streets of london with a bit more um I mean, sort of to be honest like i i was thinking more the combat style of um uh, like fallen order or like arkham stuff like that sort of thing so you know because arkham does have like you know being able to fire long distance to a point and it does have close quarters but um I, yeah, I definitely could see a mix there. I think, like, because I think the Castlevania franchise, I think it'd be pretty cool to have that. And don't don't set it in modern day, because I think that I think I think that would be a, a a bad thing to do. Because I think with Dracula, and if you set it in like goth gothic like London in that time period, I think it'd be pretty interesting to be honest. And you could you could even have like an you know an old like a, an extremely old Jack the Ripper turn up in the game like you know like these like these old British folklore characters like from that time period which would be uh, pretty awesome to have but Jack the Ripper turns out to be like now a a vampire or something you know in adapting this sort of thing so we're talking a cross between the first series of Jojo and Devil May Cry <laughs> I guess. I mean, kind of, yeah. Like, and just with a with a really good narrative. Like, I I did I did enjoy the Lord of the Shadows games, and it, it did have like a you know a really big hack and slash element too, which could be sort of like Devil May Cry. But I guess that like with all these, I, I as I said, my big passion is single player narrative games, and I'd love a really deep lore version of that. And with my big love of the um the recent Netflix show, I thought it'd be pretty cool to do. To be honest, mm, I'd play that. I think, yeah. 
For sure. Konami, contact me. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but no, that that is uh, that is my game. Hope 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 everyone enjoyed that. Uh, as I said, I I I just put my tablet up to the screen and just like a a ton of like ton of stuff. So like I even had stuff like different areas of London would have have like different creatures, like flying creatures on London's rooftop, aquatic creatures in the Thames, gruff creatures in the East End, and you know like adapted to those areas, yeah, like you know visually distinctive, but. Yeah, like, and I, I thought it was uh, pretty interesting, and with all these acquisitions going to be pr- pretty, uh, pretty interesting to do. But yeah, um, I'm willing to throw my hat in the ring if you want to hear my game idea. I feel like it's it's very predictable of me to say this one. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, I would like more Last of Us games, but in a different way. So there isn't. There's only two, obviously. You have, you know the rpg games and then you have factions which is the you know the essentially just the competitive mode of infighting within the world of last of us and i think there's definitely room where they could expand upon that a bit more like maybe having a rpg that's set in that in-between time between when the story begins and where it resumes with last of us one you know where folks are living in this absolutely apocalyptic world of uh infective things and people like struggling to survive and you can maybe create your own character to live in that world and not necessarily be like a a wow scenario where it's like it's all open world and everything's crazy but it's it's you follow a story and it doesn't have to be like anything to do with the you know original characters but just within that world and just experience that that extreme situation to be in I, yeah, no, I get you, and like I, I, I know I was just I can't remember the podcast is about it's like how you've got these different uh, creatures in in this world, and you've only mm-hmm. seen like the the American part of it. What mm. if like in different parts of the world, the mutation like certain areas of the world, the mutation did was different. So like the uh, you know the the infected were like look completely different or you had like these different variants and everything and i i definitely want more post-apocalyptic games out of america like um because metro which i thought was a great game one thing that i thought was very odd about last of us in the first place was the fact that the whole fungal infection is based off of like a real infection within the animal kingdom with like i think it was ants or spiders or whatever would get like latched upon by fungi and get essentially mind controlled into consuming its own kin and i was shocked that they didn't have any animals where that happened in the game it only seemed to just travel straight onto humans and that seems a bit weak because if you have so many animals you could be messing with or monkeys and gorillas that would be fucking crazy right zombie games and zombie movies in general need more zombie animals because it's just a cool idea, and not many of them explore it. Why not? I mean, I gotta give it to the Resident Evil franchise for that. They, you know, they they do try. You know, I mean, we've had that. I can't think of any zombie gorillas though. I can't think we've ever had that. But well, I, I just we thought were... of that specifically because it's the closest thing to us, right? Oh no, no, no. But I get that. But like, we've had zombie sharks. We've had like zombie, like big spiders, zombie fish, zombie dogs. <laughs> I just remember there's a bit in um, one of the games with we're looking at giraffes, aren't they? That have come into the city, right? Yeah. Am I remembering that yeah. right? <laughs> it's zombie giraffes. That would be pretty <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> Why not though? I don't know. It just it seems like a maybe it would undermine the tone a little bit, but I think that's quite yeah, a cool I'm, idea. 
I mean, it is definitely a game that is supposed to be like harrowing and somber because there's, you know, I guess the reason they kept animals out of it was that there could still be some beauty in the world. Like nature won't harm, you know, something so pure, but like humans, they they are at their own demise sort of thing. They brought upon themselves, but you could definitely you could definitely like expand it in in ways that the original and like you say Nate into other territories in the world where you know situations are different you know architecturally places are built differently and how would that impact or how does natural disasters impact all of this as well there's a book i think it's called world war z and mm-hmm. it kind of does that where uh it goes to different parts of the the world and looks at how they cope with um you know the zombie invasion which is a really interesting thing about that book so definitely would like to see that in more franchises i mean i actually it wasn't the greatest film but i actually did enjoy that film to be honest because there was the film version of it with brad pitt mm. um and I liked they, it did, too. they did keep a key part of it out which was the uh the red square fight at the end of the book so basically at the end of the book um the zombies actually slow down in the in the cold so that it allows them to f- like actually go into like the Red Square in Moscow and like have a fight with them like, and just kill them all there and everything. And no, yeah, Charles, you are definitely right there with that. I mean, like, just looking at post-apocalyptic franchises like um, Terminator as well for that. Um, yeah, but when it comes to um, yeah, other like post-apocalyptic regions, like you have, you know, because you can have beautiful looking. Well, look, The Last of Us had gorgeous looking you know sets and everything it wasn't it wasn't all dark and everything i think with the with the infected like the fungi you know spores it was in like quite dense closed off areas like it wasn't in like the open air so maybe that's how they got that but like fungi rats and stuff like that would have been pretty um pretty i mean you did have the rat king but that was just humans um melded together which was fucked up fungus covered rats is pretty scary a pretty scary thought yeah i guess um on that point it's like rats i feel like would be harder be- only because they would probably get eaten first but i guess the reason it, it it's kind of the infection spreads to the way it is is because it's going to like areas where damp can exist so obviously like subways are like played with like you know pipes bursting and just like waterlogged and it's never dry whereas when you're in the open air you know there's obviously like air to kind of breathe through it's like imagine if you're in my house where i have problems with mold on the walls <laughs> it's like the infection <laughs> would happen in my room first and then like if you got to the hallway you wouldn't have to worry so much and you could take your mask off but that's the thing like you know place of africa and australia how how would they deal with it because you know it's much you know well actually it's it's quite it's quite um what's the word it's hot but wet humid yeah it's, yeah why did I miss the word humid? Yeah, it's quite humid there, so you know it's, it's you know it could be affected there differently. But yeah, wow, I never thought about that. That's pretty awesome, Jordan. Thank you. That's pretty great. Excellent. Right, people. Well, that is our that is our where certain IPs could go, you know, to reinvent themselves, or you know, just refresh them a little bit, you know, or what we'd like to see. And uh, I like I like to thank you, fellas, for uh, dropping uh, dropping us those ideas. I hope everyone liked it out there. Right, people. That is the end of the show. Next week we are going to be delving into time loop narratives because we seem to have got so many games with time loops in them recently you know you've got um death loop hey um uh hades you've got the forgotten city um you know you've got tons of these games that are coming out and i'm presuming i'm presuming so more as well and 
I'm just wondering where where we're going to go from here, and what the what what could be next after that with with time loop narratives. What could be the next big thing that the games industry latches onto? We somehow sporadically get tons of different genres of. But yes, thank you for joining us today, people. If you'd like to get in contact with us with any questions, queries, feel free to email us at nmipodcast@outlook.com with any of your certain game RPG you possibly like to reinvent yourselves, and uh, we might we might get into a nice little discussion on those as well. And uh, or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at NMICast. As I said, please join us, ne- join us next week for Time Limited Narratives. But we will also be doing a brief talk on the new release, Dying Light 2 Stay Human. I will be doing a little uh, game review in-depth talk about that to see how that game is done. Because um, it's going to be quite interesting. But until then, people, I'd like to thank my guest host today. Uh, it's Thank you for joining me so much today, fellas. No worries, man. Yeah, good to be here. Thank you. No problem. It's been fun. Excellent. Well, I've been your host, Nate, and I hope you stay safe, everyone, and I will see you next week. (laughs) 